0: Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining me on episode 14 of the show about the show. As always, I am Devlin Clark, creator and host of the podcast. I am so excited about this episode. I have a four-time World Series champion coming on. He was part of the great Yankee dynasty from the late 90s, from 96 to 2000. He's going to talk about those teams, what it's like being a teammate of Derek Jeter, playing for Joe Torre, all those kinds of things. He won four titles with them, and he played in another World Series with the Yankees in 2003 against the the Florida Marlins. We're also going to catch up with him and see what he's been doing since he left the game. As always, this and every episode of this podcast is dedicated to the memory of my dad, who taught me to love and respect the game of baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so pleased to have on the show former Major Leaguer and four-time World Series champion, Jeff Nelson. Jeff, how you doing? I'm great, Good, good. So, let's talk about a little bit about your uh, early career. You were drafted by the Dodgers in the 22nd round of the 1984 amateur draft, and you signed June 21st. Can you kind of walk us through that process and tell us what that's, that was like for you? Oh, uh, well, you know, it was...
1: I didn't know too much about the draft. You know, you always wanted... As a little kid, you always wanted to play a player when you were young. And... You know, it was just one of those things that when I was in high school, I didn't think that, you know, you you just say, okay, I'm going to go to college. And that's the whole idea. Try to get a scholarship to college. Try to go play baseball at a higher level than after high school. And I got I was looked at or scouted when I was in the 11th grade. I was pitching against one of the state champions and beat them. And there happened to be ironically a Mets scout and a Cardinal scout, which I never played in the national league, but both of those scouts were there scouting actually Brian Jordan, who I became teammates with in Texas. And then also, um, he played football for the Falcons and then also baseball with the Braves. Uh, they were scouting him. And I just, you know, my dad was watching the game and I think they came up to my dad and said, Hey, you know, they thought I was a senior in high school. I was only in the 11th grade. And then they followed me the next year and when I was a senior and, you know, it's funny. You know, every time that I, I there were scouts around, I didn't have a great game. High school, I did fine, but once Legion Ball started, I didn't have a great game. And then I somehow the Dodgers scouts saw something in me. They saw how big my dad was. My dad was six four. When I graduated high school, I was only six two, and they said, "Okay, this guy's going to get bigger and taller and stronger." and let's take a chance on him. And I was drafted in the 22nd round. And, uh, you know, go off to Great Falls, Montana. The youngest guy, 17, I was the youngest
0: guy drafted that year. Wow. What's that, what's that like? I mean, to go from kind of, you know, playing in high school and playing with your buddies at, at at, you know, at the school level to being a professional major league baseball player or minor league baseball player working to the major leagues. What was that – what was that – was that a culture shock? What, what kind of change was that for you?
1: It was a little bit, you know, going up in Baltimore or Catonsville, just outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, it was a little bit, I mean, you go to Great Falls and you're playing with guys that uh, they're out of high, out of college. I mean, they're 21, 22 years old. I'm 17. For some reason I didn't sign late. I don't know what I was holding out for, but uh, you know, I, I signed late. So they already started, they had their like pre-spring training, you know, how, the short season of rookie league starts like right in the middle of June, maybe like a week or so after the draft, they'll start practice. And then right at the end of June, they'll have their games. And they'll have, you know, two, two and a half months worth of games. For some reason, I showed up right in the first or second uh, game. I I don't know, have any idea why. I don't know why it took so long, but that took a little bit to get acclimated to, you know, I go off to Great Falls, Montana, and I'm staying in a dorm by myself, and then finally I worked in with the rest of them. And when I was going to high school, we didn't have – we we couldn't wear metal spikes. We had to wear turf shoes. Uh, so I okay. show up with turf shoes, and, you know, I couldn't uh, – I had to borrow somebody's spikes to to have my first outing. And, you know, the first three years that I was with the Dodgers, I didn't even win a game. And, you know, I went to – I spent two years in rookie league, and then I finally went to Bakersfield, California, in A-ball. And we didn't – I didn't win a game. I think I was like 0-12 or 0-15. And, and and uh, so it was definitely – you know, you look back at those days because I spent 15 years in the major leagues, but in seven, of the, in seven years in the minor leagues. And, you know, it was a great experience. It was a great growing and, and learning opportunity. And, you know, it's funny. You think there would be a lot of backstabbing because everybody's working for the same thing. And a lot of, oh, I hope this guy doesn't do well because, oh, you know, he's blocking my way to the major leagues, but it's the exact opposite. You know, the guys on the team are all shooting for the same thing, the same goal, but at the same time, you know, you have some of your best years and some of your best friends from those times in the minor leagues.
0: Absolutely. For sure. So let's, let's jump ahead a little bit. Um, you made your major league debut April 16th, 1992 for the Seattle Mariners and what would be your first of three stints with the Mariners you pitched for them from 1992 to 1995 again in 2001 to 2003 and then again in 2005 what do you what do you remember about April 16th 1992 making your major league debut just kind of tell us about that day
1: yeah you know I went to big league spring training in 91 didn't make the team and didn't uh, didn't get called up at the end. And then 92, I went to big league camp again and had such a great time. I thought I was going to make the team out of spring. I got sent down, but then only one game. I played one game in triple a. I, you know, I got, uh, called into the office and that was my, you know, it's a dream come true. It's something everybody works for. And I was a reliever. I started my whole minor league career until 1990 halfway. And then all of a sudden they came to me and wanted me to be the closer. And I, uh, I closed the rest of the second half in 90 and then all in 91 and led the Mariner organization in saves, went to winter ball, had a great winter ball. And then you finally get that call in the manager's office that you're going up. And I actually went to Milwaukee and that was my first experience in the big leagues. And I didn't, I didn't pitch the first two days because that was the, that was the Mariners first road trip was Milwaukee and Chicago and then I go in and I think I pitched maybe the first game in Chicago and I'm facing Frank Thomas and guys like that. And I, I, I had to step off the mound. I was like, you know what? There is not a person in the minor leagues as big as Frank Thomas. And You're back right. then the, yeah, the white Sox were getting good crowds. So and I didn't play in Comiskey, but this was cellular. one. I don't know what it was back then, but it was a new, newer ballpark and they were had the sound meter going. I pitched the, I think the seventh and the eighth inning and, and we were behind, and almost we almost came back. But what an experience! You know, Steve Sachs, was—I think I do work with him in, in Major League Baseball, and he was the very first guy I faced in, in the major leagues. So it's one of those, you know, th- times that you work so hard for, and you get, you finally get to the big leagues. And then after that outing, I said, you know what? There's no way that I'm going to go back. I'm going to work my butt off to try to stay here. And you know, barring health or any of the other things, I I do not want to see the minor leagues again. And it, it's it's an exciting time for guys.
0: Absolutely. So you you ended up pitching three years with the Seattle Mariners, ninety two, ninety three, through ninety five. One of uh, one of the most popular players, obviously during that time period, was uh, was the kid. Can you talk about? day in and day out kind of what you saw from Griffey and then did you know right away he he was going to be you know the level of maybe not a hall of famer but an all-time great
1: yeah you know I played in the minor leagues with him as well his first year was 87 and in 88 we were in a ball together and then he went from a ball he went to double a uh, and I think it was Vermont. So it was the Double A team for the Mariners. And all of a sudden, he went to the big leagues in '89. And one of the youngest guys. And then I finally, you know, got back to him, Got back with him in '92. He's sure. he's by far the best player I've ever played with and against. There's nobody else like him. Uh, I was good friends with him. You know, we got to be real close in Seattle. We lived we lived close together. And we did a lot of things in the off season as far as golf or whatever, uh you know, just to see how he worked out and he he didn't he he was a guy that never picked up a baseball glove until the first day of spring training, never lift a weight in off season. he was just that talented, and you know he was an amazing athlete to watch, and there will never be anything like him
0: so does that include Derek Jeter? 'Cause a lot of Yankee fans would say Jeter's the best player you've ever played with. You know, G- Jeter's Jeter, yes, you know,
1: he you know, I, I had the opportunity when you're playing in World Series teams, you play with a lot of superstars. Uh even in Seattle. You, you know, we play I won one sixteen in two thousand and one. Ninety five was the first year we made the made the playoffs. You play with a number of great great athletes. Uh but you You know, even though you're playing with a Roger Clemens or a Jeter or a Pettit or Tim Raines, a Hall of Famer, played with a bunch of weight box, you know, you play with Hall of Famers, you know, Ken Griffey Jr., there's no other athlete that can do what he can do on the field. Uh, Now, as far as Derek Jeter, he's one of the smartest baseball players I've ever seen. Uh you know, I, I know in those days when they were it was Arod and Miguel Tejada, Garcia Parra, Omar, they were all going through the oh who's who what shortstop would you rather have? And maybe I was biased because I played with Derek Jeter, but you know, you can take the power, you can take whatever. I, I want Derek Jeter on my team any time. I mean he was that he's that good, he's that smart, he knows exactly what to do with but he's always thinking ahead. You know, he's a he's an incredible athlete and and player as well but as far as do it all, Ken Griffey Jr. he did everything.
0: Let's transition into your uh Yankee career, Jeff. You started uh started out with the Yankees. You had a uh good Yankee career. You ended up winning a World Series four four seasons with them. Do any of those particular World Series stand out more than any other?
1: Well, the one, you know, obviously your first one in 96 is pretty special, but the one against the Mets, I don't think anybody else cared because it was, you know, in in the same city. But when you're playing the Mets and you had a lot of, I guess, trash talk from the other side, you know, because we, that year in 2000, we barely made the playoffs. We actually lost the last six games in a row. And because of the Red Sox losing, we wound up winning the division and we barely got by Oakland. Oakland, during the Division Series, was like, oh, you know, it's it's our time. Uh, you know, the Yankees are getting old. It's, it's time for someone new uh, because we just won the previous two years. But, you know, once we got to the World Series, I think the Mets fans – because the Yankees
0: were – it's
1: funny because they were always used to being in the World Series. They always sold the World Series tickets well in advance. Well, the Mets didn't sell theirs until the last – until they knew they were in – so we played right across town the Subway Series. We had half Yankee fans, half Met fans because the Yankee fans buy up all the tickets. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you have some trash talk from the Mets and saying, "Oh, we're going to win in five and this." And uh, it was exciting. I went to a lot of sports goods stores, bought a lot of Subway Series stuff. It, it was pretty. That's probably the one that that I enjoyed the most.
0: What? You know, you obviously you won four World Series. A lot of those. That's a lot of a lot of games to play um you know in the world series is there a particular play or moment that stands out to you you mentioned the uh the subway series with the mets i think every baseball fan the the moment from that series that excuse me that they think of is is Roger throwing the broken end of the bat towards Piazza and Piazza taking offense to it? Is there is there a moment in any of those four World Series that stands out to you, other than obviously winning it? Is there like a play or a defining moment?
1: Uh, let's see. You know, the one thing that's ironic, you know, we played in 98 when we won all those games. We played, we played the... Uh, uh, the Padres in the World Series, and it might have been game one or game two, and I remember Mark Langston, it was bases loaded, and he was facing Tino Martinez, and he threw a pitch, it should have been strike three, right down the middle of the plate, and I think everybody in the world knew it. Even Tino probably knew it, and it got called for a ball, and I think the count went to 3-2 or whatever it was. And so you know, the next pitch he hits for a grand slam, and we wind up sweeping the Padres, but You know it's it's tough to pick one you you know you remember so many and you know when you ask okay what was your favorite one just because we played the Mets that was probably my favorite one but every time was great and I don't know if there's a moment uh during a World Series or or a play that I can remember that you know it's too hard I think to pick
0: one sure sure Now you, you know, obviously you were, uh, you were a slider specialist. You also had a cut fastball. I'm going to guess that uh, spending four seasons in the bullpen with Mariano Rivera, you picked up a few tips.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I think the the one that you really pick up is how he handled himself after a tough outing, which wasn't very many. Uh, And that was, that was the best part because as a reliever, you really have to have a short memory. You can't take, last night's game, whether it was good or bad, into the next night because, you know, you had an opportunity, especially with Joe Torrey and Mel as our coaches. I had an opportunity to be in the game uh, every every day, if, if possible. Uh, you know, I threw a sinker. I was left three-quarter, and I, I tried throwing a cut fastball. It didn't work out. Nothing's going to be as good as Mariano Rivera's fastball. But I threw a slider. It's pretty hard, 92 to 94, 95 miles an hour. Uh, but I think the one thing you learned from Mariano is just how he carried himself and how he didn't let, if he did struggle the night before, that carry into the next day. Because you have to win that next day. You can't have anything or any kind of problems or any kind of, oh, I wish I would have thrown this pitch or second-guess yourself or next thing you know, you bring it into the next day. You wind up you wind up giving it up then and getting that loss as well, and then you're not going to be the closer. You're not going to be a setup man very long. Just like with any player, you know, the most successful guys are the ones that can forget about the next day or the last day or the last game and just forget about that, take that in, and have a fresh start for that next game or the, that game that night. And and you, you, you know, you see a lot of hall of famers
0: that way. In and you had a lot of postseason su- success, so you you know you obviously did have a short memory um, when it came to not carrying over bad outings or bad innings from game to game or season to season. Fifty five postseason career games, fifty four and a third innings pitched, two point six five ERA, sixty two strikeouts. What was your was your mindset going in there? Just get us out of the inning. Or did you have Joe Torrey tell you something, you know, when you went into the game? Or was it just, hey, you know, trust your stuff, talk, you know, talk to Jorge, and, uh, you know, get us out of the innings?
1: Well, I was always a guy that wanted to be in a pressure situations. I never wanted to just be, you know, I was never just satisfied being on a big league roster and being a member of the team. Sure. I wanted to be in the thick of things all the time. Uh, you know, when I, even when the inning ended and I knew that was uh, that was my night, I got my three outs, I would always go past Joe Torrey or whether it was Lou Pennell and say, hey, I'm good for the next game, next day because I always wanted to be in there. And same with the playoffs. You, you know, once you get in the playoffs in the World Series is what everybody works for and, and hope to, hopes to get, uh, I don't want to sit and watch. You know, it's easier. You know, for me, it was always easier to pitch in it than sit there and watch because you didn't have any control. At least when I was on the mound, I had some control. And being in New York, playing at old Yankee Stadium when Mr. Steinbrenner was still around, you didn't want you know, I didn't want to read my name in the paper or even see my name in the paper for any kind of negative negative things. I wanted something positive to happen. So I used that, I guess, as far as a little psychological edge saying, you know what, I'm not going to give up this game. I'm going to go out, I'm going to get out of this jam, and I can't wait to get back in. I'm going to do everything I can do to help our team win. And for the majority of the time, you know, I did that. And, you know, I was always uh, I was always the guy that loved the pressure situations. You, you know, I wanted to be in when there was bases loaded and Frank Thomas was up.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. So you win the four World Series with the Yankees. Those were some of the best teams in baseball history, but not the best team rec- by record. That would happen in your, your first year after. Being a Yankee two thousand one with Seattle, coincidentally enough, you were also an all star that season. You and Arthur Rhodes formed just a devastating lefty righty combination you uh you're the all time leader in games pitch for the Mariners with three hundred and eighty three Now, you know what do you remember about being an all star in two thousand and one? Well, back, you know, back then
1: it was one of those, I don't know, that year it was Mike Stanton, Paul Contrell, and myself, and we were maybe the first three setup guys that ever made the all-star team uh, back then. I don't know if there was anybody else before us, but usually it was just closers and starters. Uh, so to make it as a middle guy, it was it, or a setup guy that has to be one of the greatest accomplishments I have I've ever I've ever been a part of. I actually thought I was going to make the team in 2000. I really had a good first half, and I thought that possibly uh, Joe Torrey was our manager that maybe he would take me. It didn't happen. Uh, it happened the next year when I was in Seattle, and it just so happened the All Star game was in Seattle. Uh, but you know what? What a great opportunity when you're you're competing against these guys all year and trying to get these hitters out. And for one day or at least two days, you, know, uh, you were teammates with some of the greatest players in the game. And, you know, it didn't mean anything then, but I think more of a pride thing. You wanted to win it for your league. Uh, I remember Joe Torrey coming to Stanton, Paul and myself, and say, hey, we're going to split the three of you between for two innings. Uh, so Quantrell wound up going getting in trouble, and Stanton had to get him out of his jam. And I wound up pitching, I think, the seventh inning. And I wound, and I pitched, you know, all three outs. And to pitch in front of your home crowd—we had eight, eight guys, including uh, not including our manager Joe uh, Pinella. Then, so we had eight guys that were on the All-Star team out there in Seattle because we had so we had the best team in, in baseball right at that point. Uh, but what a great experience! And I didn't, you know, I didn't care about making another one. You know, I made one. I made it in my home city, uh, and to experience that just one time. Well, that was all I needed.
0: Well, you know, your 2001 season, mm-hmm. your being an All Star, was definitely, definitely well deserved. In your 2001 All Star season, you had an opponents bat. You held opponents to a, an opposing batting average of 136 and a slugging percentage of 199. But when you got two strikes on them, it dropped down to. Six. 0.74 for an average or for an on-base percent, and 110 for a slugging percent. With two strikes, you pretty much owned them. <laughs> well, maybe that's one of
1: the few stats that I didn't know. I had no, I had no idea about those things.
0: You know, yeah I, yeah, I was
1: a strikeout guy. I wanted to strike out everybody. I hated, you know, not that I didn't trust my defense, but I was always a guy that I hated. When guys put the ball, they put the bat on the ball, I wanted to strike you out. And, you know, I could get O two 2 on someone. And I don't care if I got the 3-2. Uh, I was still going to try to strike you out, and I was going to make that happen. And, you know, I had, I had a big slider, and everybody knew it. Uh, I also had a fastball that kept guys honest, especially right-handed hitters. Uh, so you know it's exciting. You know, you, you, like I said, you want to be out in those situations, and the only way to do that is you have to have some success. And and I enjoyed it. You know, I, I you know I, I love the game so much, and I love being out there so much. But and also like striking guys out, I thought that was cool.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, two thousand one. We got about seven minutes left here, Jeff. Two thousand one was an interesting okay. season, not just not just for you, but also for for baseball as well. Um, you know, you talked about being, you know, coming. this is your first season with the Mariners and you're an all-star and it's in your home park and everything. Um, that World Series in, in 2001, can you kind of talk about what that meant being, you know, being a former New Yorker? What did that mean to, you know, have the Yankees in the World Series that year?
1: Well, well, I wasn't too happy because, you know, we were with the Seattle and they went up beating us in the ALCS and that just happened. I mean, that was the year of nine eleven. Uh, you know, you'll never forget where you were and what, how that was and how that came about. And when we were playing the Yankees in the ALCS, we went down to ground zero and, you know, being a Yankee the previous five years, I, well, I knew a lot of people and knew a lot of the policemen and fire departments, So that was pretty special seeing them. And, you know, it, being on the Yankees in the previous five years, like I said, it always seems like somebody you, they always rallied around something. And that year, they rallied around the people after of nine eleven. And I kept saying, "Hey, you know, we're a Mariner. We can we can rally around as well. Hey, how about if uh, you know get behind the Mariners and we'll go play in the World Series and we'll do it for everyone." But you know, the Yankees always seem to rise to the occasion. You, you know, they they were they're a team that. I think the only team in baseball, and maybe it, it's still that way now, but back then even more so because of old Yankee Stadium and every time you went on the road, uh, you had a lot of Yankee fans and you had a lot of followers, but you, all had, you also had a lot of haters. So you were in, you were in some, I guess, stressful places or, uh, uh, you know, the, the things that the Yankees went through was not like any other team. You know, the pressures of winning and everything else was always greater than anywhere else. Uh, and for them to succeed once they got into playoffs wasn't a surprise, and even in 0-1. I knew as a Mariner being on the other side when they beat us in the ALCS, when we got down three games to one, I knew it was over because I was on the other side. And, and you know what? We weren't giving anybody any kind of uh, chance to take a breath and, and maybe win a game to have it to game six. I knew I knew it was done. I knew we were uh, we were finished, and the Yankees were going to go to the World Series before they even won uh, that final game in Game Five. So, you know, it was great seeing them, uh, you know, do it for the city and do it for the American League. Now, it was also pretty special to me that they didn't win. I was like, hey, if I'm not going to be there, I don't want these guys to wait four in a row. Forget, <laughs> right. it. you know, have the Diamondbacks right. win this thing.
0: Yeah, and you know. I want to I want to talk about this. You know, we we touched briefly on Mariano Rivera. We got about four minutes left. We you touched about you touched on Mariano Rivera. So you guys get eliminated. The Yankees played the D-backs in the World Series, and Mariano Rivera's. You know, obviously everybody's well aware of his postseason credentials. In fact, there have. Twelve men have walked on the surface of the moon, and only eleven men have scored in the off, in the in the playoffs against Mariano Rivera. Yeah. One of those guys was Jay Bell. Um, were you surprised by seeing Mariano Rivera lose that World Series game? Because I mean, at that time he was automatic. You you bring Mo in the games over. Were you? you know, as kind of a former teammate, were you surprised to see him him lose that game and that series? I mean, yeah, he didn't it, lose the series, but that game.
1: Yeah, you, you know, you, you are, because it was doesn't happen very often. You know, it happened in 97 when it was, I think, game four, and he gave up the home run to Sandy Alomar, and we thought we were going to go back then. And, uh, you know, this is just how great he is. He forgets it. We win three years in a row, and all of a sudden, 2001, he's in the same situation. That's what I was saying. I'm sitting on the floor in my, in my house saying, you know what, they're going to win four in a row. Here's the best closer in the game. And it just so happened a broken bat hit up the middle scores the winning run. And, you know, you would never, you know, with, with him, he's the greatest closer that's ever played the game the most successful and the nastiest with one pitch really didn't throw too much more than just a cutter. Uh, And for him to give it up, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not like Mo, but that's baseball and you know, that's what happens. Yeah.
0: Now, the other thing I want to talk about, and we have about two minutes left. The other thing I want to talk about in that series, being a, being a reliever and you know, it's, it's different when you're a closer, but you know, watching that game is both a, both a major leaguer and a, you know, uh, a middle reliever, closer, bullpen guy. How did you feel for Biung Biung Kim BK Kim? Because he not only yeah. gave up one game, he gave up two. What's that like when you're out on the mound, especially maybe in a high pressure situation in the World Series, and you and you and that happens to you? Because, like you said, it's a part of baseball.
1: Yeah, and both times it happened at Yankee Stadium. So yeah, you know, it's it's you feel for them because it's happened, you know, you've done the same thing, maybe not back-to-back nights or whatever, but you, you know, everybody, nobody's perfect. And it just so happens to be an old Yankee Stadium, and that's a tough place to pitch as a visitor. Uh, Now new stadium, it's not. But uh, old Yankee Stadium was a tough place for a visiting team to come in there and play. The home field advantage really was in in effect back then when old Yankee Stadium was up. But, you, you know, it's funny. It seems like the Yankees always, like I said, seem to rise to the occasion no matter who was out on the mound. Uh, the yeah. year when we went, what, 3 when we beat the, the Red Sox, everybody says, oh, this is going to be the Red Sox year. And, you know, Grady Little took out Pedro and brought in, you know, brought in Wakefield next thing you, know, Boone. Aaron Boone hits the home run. It's like, you know, something always exciting happens at Yankee Stadium. Absolutely.
0: And I think that's a I think that's a great way to uh, to end this episode, Jeff. I cannot thank you enough for uh, for being willing to come on. We I had so many more things I wanted to talk to you about. I hope you're willing to come back on in a future episode and sure, just, you know, tell us some more stories and stuff. I had a great time chatting with you, ladies and gentlemen. Four time World Series winner Jeff Nelson. Thank you so much, Jeff. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you. All right, so that was four-time World Series winner and Yankee and member of the Yankee dynasty from the late 2000s, Jeff Nelson. What a great, what a great career and what great stories he had. So he, uh, I was pretty surprised when he said Griffey was the best player he ever played with, but at the same time I wasn't. So stay tuned. I have one more episode coming up, the next episode later on tonight will be maybe my favorite episode. It's going to be something. I'm going to, we're going to teach you guys a lot about baseball history. It's going to be something that you never expected to hear about. Thanks, guys. Take care.